Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Hey, everybody. It's good to be with you again. Welcome to episode 39 titled Why Diversification Really Matters. Before I get to my topic today, I want to address a listener question that asked if he should invest in international index funds or just stick with the U.S. market index fund. So this is a complicated question in a way because there's many angles to consider. I've read and studied about this topic a lot and there are many authors and professionals who disagree on the answer to this question. Some believe that a U.S. portfolio is sufficient. Some believe that it should be a 50-50 split. Then there's other groups of people like the Bogleheads, who I've talked about before, which is an online forum, which thinks the international component maybe should be around 20%. I have referred to J.L. Collins' book, A Simple Path to Wealth, in the past. He simply uses a U.S. total market index fund and a U.S. total bond index fund. He does not see a need to use international in his portfolio. And let me explain kind of his theory and his thinking. So big U.S. companies are less dependent on America's economies than investors might think. Nearly half, it's actually 44% of sales of S&P 500 companies come from overseas, according to S&P Dow Jones indices. And many industries that America leads in, such as technology, energy, and heavy equipment makers, in the industrial sector get roughly half or more of their total sales beyond U.S. borders. So I've seen this the times I've traveled internationally. I've noticed there are many U.S. brands that are very popular in other countries, including car makers, uh, Coca-Cola, and other things that are just that are very abundant in foreign countries. So if ha- nearly half of the sales are overseas of U.S. companies, then J.L. Collins' argument is you already have international diversification in your portfolio if you simply have a U.S. total market index fund, and that is his reasoning behind it. Now, the market capitalization of the world is 50% international, 50% U.S. So a lot of financial advisors believe that you should have 50% of your money in the U.S. market and 50% in the international market to capture the total market return of the world. So... The reason why I do 15 to 20% international in my portfolio is I like a little bit of extra diversification. There are around six to seven, I think around 7,000 companies, stocks in the international index fund. So you get more diversification. And there's also the idea of currency diversification. And there are times where, for example, from 2000 to 2010, the international market outpaced the U.S. market significantly. And so there's periods of time where the U.S. market does better than the international, like the past 10 years. But if you look at a graph summarizing the past 10 years or 100 years, you'll see that there's many periods of time where the international does better than the U.S. And so it's just a way to diversify, and I think you'll do fine either way, but I like the comfort of knowing that I have all those companies working for me in my portfolio. There's really no correct answer, and you have to do what you can stick with. 
because if you pick one, it's good to stick with it and just go with it because a lot of times what people do is they'll have a US only portfolio and then international will start doing better and all of a sudden they will start investing in international and then when international goes out of favor then they'll sell that and so when you play that game you're often buying high and selling low which is the opposite of what you want to do right now another reason why i invest internationally is there's something called the price to earnings ratio which will tell you how expensive stocks are and in the u.s the price the p.e ratio is quite high on u.s stocks right now the p.e ratio on foreign stocks is lower right now which leads me to believe that the international stocks may outperform over the next decade. Who knows? It may be true, it may not, but it t tells me that they're also cheaper so than U.S. stocks. So buying into them now, while that market is a little bit down, it's like you're buying them on sale. So if you look at the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund for the U.S., it has 3,781 stocks in it, and that changes here and there, but that's it's generally in that range. The total international index fund has 78.85 stocks in it. So in one holding, and you can also buy one fund that has them both in it called the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund that has 9,045 stocks in it. So you can get all that diversification in one or two index funds, which is incredible. So I think if you weigh all your options, 50-50 is fine, 80-20 like I do is fine, or 100% US and zero international is fine. I think you're going to get probably good results with whichever strategy you go with. Just pick a strategy and stick with it and move forward. So diversification basically, simply put, is to not put all of your eggs in one basket. So if I were to simply buy Apple stock and that's all I had in my portfolio. Yes, I could win really big, but I could also lose really big. Like I've said on earlier podcasts, my parents lost a lot of money because they tied up a lot of their net worth in Zion stock. Luckily, they had a pension and other money saved, Social Security, so they're doing just fine in retirement. They're actually quite well off and doing great, but they would have had a lot more had they diversified that Zion's bank stock into an index fund before it lost so much of its value. So diversification helps protect your portfolio. Uh, you have to be okay though without performing at the top because you'll always own asset classes that are down. For example, if you own small companies and large companies, there's gonna be times where one does better than the other. If you own foreign and US, there's gonna be times where one does better than the other. So owning large, mid, small cap funds, uh, value, blend, and growth, international and then all of these index funds have basically they're comprised into different sectors within each one of them for example there's always real estate consumer staples consumer discretionary industrials financials technology basic materials healthcare energy utilities and telecom so there's a percentage of those sectors in each of those index funds so in if you buy a total market index fund, you're going to be diversified across all those different sectors across the economy. So you don't only have healthcare companies, but you have technology companies. You have financial companies like banks. You have consumer staples like food companies like Procter & Gamble that provides toothpaste and other things to the world. Consumer discretionary filters in a lot of travel ideas 
and industries and restaurants. So simply by owning one index fund, you own 13 different sectors, you own large companies, you own small companies, you own value companies, and you own growth companies. So there's a tremendous amount of diversification within an index fund. So diversification, you wanna look at the size of the companies, the sectors, the industry, the asset class. You can look at geographical location, investing styles, maturity dates, if there's bonds included, and types of companies. So if you want to include bonds in your portfolio, that adds another layer of diversification, which might hurt your overall returns in the long run because they don't return as much, generally speaking. But there have been uh, decades of time where bonds outperform stocks in the past. Right now we're in a low yield environment for bonds, so I wouldn't necessarily think that would be the best strategy, but who knows, I can't predict the future. So if you add some bonds though and cash into your portfolio, you can get more diversification and certainly more stability. I would recommend though that you be careful about not over diversifying. I've looked at some people's portfolios who have 10 to 20 mutual funds in their portfolio. And as I really dissect their allocation, I realize that they have a ton of what is called fund overlap. So for example, they might have three large cap blend funds in their portfolio, which is completely unnecessary because you're owning typically the same stocks in those funds. So that's called fund overlap and there's no need to do that. So you want to be careful to look at your portfolio, make sure you don't over diversify. Uh, basic portfolio covers most of this diversification that I've talked about. It means you don't put all your eggs in one basket and you don't run that risk of single stock investing, which I do not think is a great idea. Diversi diversification allows us to never be the loser and take what the market gives us. Imagine the diversification in a simple total market index fund. 3,700 companies, big companies, small companies, value, growth, blend, and all those 13 sectors that I talked about. Now, some people believe that you can never be too diversified, and there's an argument for that, but I don't really believe in that. I think over-diversification sometimes can cripple a person's decision-making. For example, some people believe you should put cryptocurrency in your portfolio, precious metals like gold and silver, maybe some junk bonds or commodities like soybeans and pork bellies and uh, NFTs like I talked about on another episode, which are non-fungible tokens, uh, funds called private equity funds or hedge funds, which I've explained on other episodes. Some people, especially as they accumulate more money and more assets, believe that they should diversify into all these different spaces. I personally am have a very simple portfolio and I believe there's a lot of diversification built into that simple portfolio. So I don't see a need to have all those things as part of my portfolio. So my diversification personally is I have a paid for house, which gives me a home to live in that no one can take away. I have small, mid, large international index funds that cover the entire market of the entire world. I have a job that provides steady cash flow and I have a wife who works as well. I have the promise of future social security payments, which I believe will happen. A lot of people fret about that. I am not worried about that personally. Social security is way too important to our country for politicians to get rid of it or even reduce it very much. I think they will make some adjustments to make it work in the future. 
possibly taxing people a little heavier that are higher incomes to fill the gaps that are presently there. But I believe that Social Security will be there. You can take that as early as 62, as late as 70. And so that's another way to diversify your portfolio that you'll have that income stream through your retirement. I also have a, an emergency fund of cash that helps with my overall portfolio diversification. And I have different savings vehicles that I use, including the health savings account, which will help with medical expenses in the future, tax-free, a 401k that I use, and a Roth IRA as well as savings and checking account. It's a very simple way to do finances, but in my mind, a very effective way. I think over-diversification complicates life and offers few benefits other than a person maybe thinking that they're smart and going to outsmart the market. Uh, a lot of financial advisors will have their clients in 10 to 25 mutual funds, and I think the reason they do that is to try to make themselves look smart, suggesting to the client that this is way too complicated, you probably can't do this, you need me to help you with this. I believe that's unnecessary, and those portfolios typically will underperform a three-fund portfolio like we've talked about with index funds. I think financial advisors are wonderful and have their place. I had an episode on that earlier. I think if your situation is really complicated uh, tax-wise, you need a lot of estate planning help, you have a lot of, diff you own, run your own business, you make a lot of money, you don't have time, a financial advisor can be super valuable. For a person like me who's in the accumulation phase of their life and has a very simple, straightforward method, there's no reason for me to have a financial advisor at this time. Most financial advisors that are the good ones won't take you unless you have $800,000 portfolios or more anyway. And so if you want a financial advisor when you don't have that much, you're basically stuck with the financial advisors who do the commission sales and will give you mutual funds with high expense ratios as well as sales loads, which means they'll charge you 5% of whatever you're investing and take that into their own pocket. So I think it's better just to educate yourself during your accumulation years, especially if your financial life is fairly simple and straightforward and learn how to do index investing. And that's pretty much good enough to set you on a great trajectory for the future. Other ways that some people diversify and that I'm certainly not opposed to, but don't necessarily do myself. Uh, you could get a rental income portfolio. For example, you could purchase a duplex, live in half of it and rent the other half out. Or you could start to build a real estate portfolio of buying houses and renting them. A lot of people do that and are very successful with it. For me, it's too much of a hassle and it's not something I'm interested in. If you want to do that, you need to get educated, you need to be smart, you need to make sure you have some money, you need to make sure you're buying in the right market at the right time and you have someone who knows what they're doing. You could also have a side hustle that might help you with diversification, meaning you have your primary nine to five job, but then you start a business on the side to give you additional income, but also helps diversify your life in case your nine to five job doesn't work out, you would have something to fall back on. You could start your own business uh, you could work for a place that offers a pension, which are kind of few and far between nowadays, but that's a guaranteed stream of in income for your future years, kind of like Social Security. Another way to diversify your life is to lower your expenses and your wants and desires, because then you will be able to live easier on less. Another way to diversify is to live a lower cost of life, living lifestyle, which I just mentioned, and also to learn some new skills, which 
can help you into the future. Bottom line is, I think diversification is important. I don't think it's wise to put all of your eggs in one basket. And luckily, in today's investing world, diversification has never been easier. Investing has never been easier. As little as 10 to 20 years ago, you'd have to write checks. You'd have It was very hard to check things online. It was index funds only started in the mid-1970s and became popular more like in the 80s and 90s. So there was time in the past where you had to have a stockbroker, you had to make phone calls, you had to fill out forms. Nowadays, you simply need to set up an account, which takes two or three minutes, link your checking account to it, and transfer funds. It's never been easier to invest. It's never been cheaper to invest. Uh, the fund companies like Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, Vanguard, Schwab, they're all in a price war to the bottom. And so index funds are incredibly cheap, sometimes free. So there's never been a time in the history of the world that's better and easier for investing. So please do so. Please make sure you get a diversified portfolio and you just don't invest in a couple individual stocks. Some people are going heavy into cryptocurrency, into things like Dogecoin, which started as a joke. And they are putting a lot of their money into that. That is not diversification, that is gambling, and I would definitely hope that you wouldn't do that. Remember, all this information in this podcast is for informational use only. I'm not a financial advisor, so please, before you make your own financial decisions, think it through, do your own research, and if you feel like you need to consult a lawyer or a financial advisor, please do so. You can follow the show on Instagram, simplemoney underscore simple life. You can also email me any questions you have simplemoney529 at gmail.com. Also, I would really like to ask my loyal listeners, you who are listening, if you haven't left a review on the i on your iPhone, uh, please do that. That really helps the show grow. I've kind of gotten a little bit, I got a lot of reviews right at the beginning, but we've run into a little bit of a stall lately, and it's hard for the show to reach other people's devices if there's not a lot of reviews. So if those of you who have not left a review could rate the show and leave a review and subscribe to the podcast on your Apple platform, that would be amazing. If you want to do that but don't know how to do it, you can simply do a quick Google search search, or you can private message me on Instagram or send me an email and I will call you and explain how to do that. It's really pretty easy. Anyway, I hope you guys all have a great week and remember the simple life is a good life.